Welcome to the Manor. Welcome back to the Twin Terrors Macabre Manor of Mead, Metal, and Mayhem. I'm James. And I'm Jody. And today we thought we would actually talk about Mead, since that's in the title. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I, was, I was thinking the other day, occasionally I'll talk about what I'm drinking as we record. Uh-huh. Um, how we record isn't necessarily how we're going to put these up. And it's, it's going to be a neat little Easter egg sort of puzzle thing for <laughs> listeners if they give a crap <laughs> to try to figure out the, the order we recorded rather than posted. Because <laughs> if you do listen, you'll hear me discuss that I drink a Scottish ale rather than the Scotch ale. So, <laughs> and there are two different ones that you'll hear me talking about the same barley wine. <laughs> Today, I though. I about the barley wine. Yeah, barley wine. Today, to go ahead and add to the puzzle, <laughs> I have opened up a homemade mead because we're going to talk about mead. Yes. Mead. mead. I guess I should say it is the Heather Mugwort mead in case that helps somebody keep track later. <laughs> so um i've been making mead for for a few years now and I, i'm i'm decent i mean it's good stuff so yeah I'm not, I'm I've, not I've tried i've tried what you've made yes, yes you I, I've, I've enjoyed it i I've, I've had a couple that i like better but i've liked the stuff you've made it's been good oh yeah i've got my own personal favorites and and uh, yeah. maybe at the end of this episode when i talk about some of the ones i've made i'll i'll mention the ones that i've liked the most but actually, there are only a couple that I didn't care for. Ah. Yeah, you know, what are you going to do? The, make the, your own. Yeah, if you don't like it, <laughs> make your own damn mead, bastards. <laughs> but seriously, it's easy. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, if, you've, if you've ever made beer, making mead is so much easier. And, and I've never made wine because I'm not a wine person. But right. my understanding is that it's even easier than wine because you don't have to worry about the juice so much. Although if you already have pre-made juice, you know, the juice, instead of actually having to squeeze the berries. Oh, yeah. It's, it's probably not too hard either. I, I've, I've actually got some history and cool little stories about mead and, and some information on how to make mead and some of the meads I've made. And uh, I, I think I'm going to split it up perhaps because otherwise it's, it's a lot. Some of it's yeah. more Celtic-y stuff from the, the Celtic nations and other of it's more Anglo stuff from, from England and the Anglo-Saxon era and, and Germany and uh, Norway type of thing. So some of this will be bees and honey type of thing. And, and if I actually talked about all the bee and honey folklore I've ever read, that would make for many, many episodes. <laughs> I'm going to try to keep it more, more the interesting thing rather than all of it. I've read uh, probably a dozen books on the folklore of bees and honey and mead and how to make mead, and, which I know is, you know, as far as professionals go, I'm not up there. But as far as ne- neophytes go, I'm not doing too bad. Some of the neat things. <laughs> <laughs> this will give you an idea of what I think is neat. <laughs> Ellenbon, the White Island. It's what Britain was called by the Celts before the Romans uh, came to visit back in the day. Ellenbon uh, is, is the White Island, but is also known as the Isle of Honey because of the sheer quantity of wild bees that flew all around uh, the, through the forest and the fields. And, and the Brits had this huge black bee. This, If you've seen pictures, is this big brute of a bee. I mean, he's a, a brutish looking nasty dude well actually she huh since the bees you'll actually see her are female they're yeah. vicious looking ladies i did you know what i did not know that ah well there you go well you know the, the yeah the, the fems are the one who go out and do all the hard work and get all the pollen and nectar and make the honey and the the, the men do absolutely jack shit except maybe jump on the queen occasionally and, and eat <laughs> uh, you know to be a bee <laughs> 
that really actually, as I said, that doesn't sound too much different than my some humans. No, bees, lions, and most of the people we went to high school with. <laughs> so this black bee was hardy, really tough. Uh, so it reflected the hardiness of the northern climates because, you know, much colder and, and not as temperate as, as further down south. And a fun fact, black bee, the British black bee was actually thought to have been extinct and been extinct for a couple hundred years. However, it was found again fairly recently, just a few years ago in Northumberland, in a Northumberland church, actually. Yeah, there's this church and they found the nest, uh, the, the hive up in, a, up in the top, sort of up in a, an angle of, of yeah. the roof. And, and they found out it was British black bees and it's, it's making a comeback with the help of professional amateur beekeepers. Oh, sweet. But wait, professional amateurs? professional and amateurs oh okay sorry it's uh <laughs> I, I may have had an oktoberfest also before the meet and and and, as, and 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 i'm a little tired so yeah <laughs> there's that yeah. I, i've been told by everybody i have a bad habit of speaking very quickly too <laughs> so, so the romans of course they come in and they see this going on and, and the romans being the romans that the romans Church. were they, they take credit, and there are all sorts of writings that talk about how the Romans introduced beekeeping to the Celts. But then again, the, like I said, jerks. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the Romans also took credit for roads, which the good roads were a Celtic invention and all sorts of weapons that, you know, no, true, they did beat the crap out of everybody. And when you beat the crap out of everyone, you get to say what you want. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Pythias... Um, Voyages of Pythias, 300 years before Caesar landed on the British Isles, wrote that the natives were eating honey and drinking mead. So, I mean, right there, it kind of shows that the, the Romans were full of crap. Jerks. That's right. <laughs> yeah, there, there's <laughs> so, some information that the Celts were making wheat and, uh, a wheat and honey drink uh, before Caesar came. And uh, archaeological finds show that this has been occurring since at least 350 BCE. And, and so that's just... What they've been able to find in some archaeology and historical records. Uh, so, of course, it could have been going on even earlier than that. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I, I thought so. Mostly I like saying that because, you know, damn Romans. As far as Mead goes, is, is, is the British Isles the earliest place that there seems to be a record of it? Or would, would, would it have been in the continent or on the continent? Or um, Actually, the earliest, I believe, was Mesopotamia. Okay. I mean, I'm, I'm fairly, so I usually stick to, to refer, uh, researching the regions my ancestors are from, not, right. not because it's inherently better or worse or anything, but it just, it gives me a connection to the past uh, yeah. from where my, my ancestors came from. So I, of course, when you read this, you do find out where other things come from. So it, it definitely was around all sorts of other places. When I say it had been around since at least 350 BCE, mead itself, actually a lot of people think mead is the first drink. It was around even before ale and wine. You know, assuming that some okay. poor schmuck happened upon some uh, fermented honey and ate it and got a good buzz. And I just realized that I wish that was a purposeful pun. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't even thinking of it. But yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so uh, I think Mesopotamia could have been Egypt. Um, I know uh, India, it's... The, the word, and we'll get to this uh, in a while, either this one or, or it could be in my notes for the, the Germanic Anglo-Saxon cultures, but the word mead is actually derived from the, uh, what's it, the, the Indo-European Indo Indo -European word for honey. Oh, okay. 
uh, med, med you, I think, M-E-D-U, um, but, but I'll, I'll verify that when we get there. But yeah, okay. uh, it, it wasn't created in the northern climes. It's just that it was occurring there before the Romans came and said they brought it. Ah, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. And then there is proof or some, some proof, some archaeological and written records that show that it was the first thing alcoholic drank in the British Isles before ales and, and beers and wines and, and ciders and everything, although ciders are up there too. Okay. So, oh, no, it's, it's really ancient. Well, that, that's, that's what I was thinking, but uh, yeah, you would be I correct. I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> wheat! Yeah, and speaking of sweet mead, oh, wait, yeah. that'll be later. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, Huel the Good in 10th century Wales. Uh, the, the Celts were very serious about their bees and their honey. Uh, Huel the Good in 10th century Wales drew up a set of laws, covers bees and their honey and wax. Uh, even talks about their origin story of bees, although it usually has to come, you know, it has to do with them coming down from heaven because of the sin of man. And so man could have mass. You needed bee wax candles. So God sent the bees so man could have the beeswax to make the candles to have the mass. And you got the honey and the mead from it too. So, okay. Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, Huel, uh, his laws give the relative value of, of drink comparisons. Uh, so mead made with pure honey. Uh, was twice the price of braggot, which is honey and grain, and we'll go more into what that is a little bit later, and has quadrupled the price of ale, which is grain only. So you have mead, all honey, uh, ale, grain only, and then you have braggot, which is a combination of the two. And all right. I guess I should insert this in here too. There is a difference in ale and beer when you're talking about this time period. I know now we kind of consider ales to be top fermenting and beers to be bottom fermenting type of thing and you need the, the colder things and stuffs. But back in this day, ales were the barley drinks without hops. Beer were the barley drinks with hops. Oh, okay. Now, now we just use hops in about every damn thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was, uh, yeah, because I was going to say now everything's pretty much called a, called beer, but if it's an ale, like you said, it's, it's, it's top fermented. Logger, loggers are the ones that are cold fermented. Yes. So, and they use the, what, the bottom? Yeah, for some reason, I am blanking on which direction it goes. And it's something I okay. usually know. And I'm afraid that I've completely said that wrong. <laughs> well, I, the, I, I think, yeah, I, one, one ferments at the top, one ferments at the bottom. And then logger also has to be kept cold while it's fermenting. And that is all factual. Yeah. I just can't remember which one is which. Well, I tell you what, you keep talking and I'll look it up and then I'll tell you what it is. And interestingly enough, Huel also gives uh, responsibilities of mead. So there's the mead maker who makes the mead and he's in charge of the mead, responsible for the mead until the vat is opened. And when the vat is opened, it suddenly becomes the butler's responsibility to take care of it and make sure everything's good. Ah, um, just to interject, lager is bottom fermenting. Yes. <laughs> right, so I'm going to leave this in. <laughs> so the okay, so the who does what? So there's the mead maker, mead maker, okay, and and he's responsible for the mead until the vat's opened. Uh huh. And then once the vat is opened, it's the butler's responsibility. So of course, this is assuming this is sort of like for the king and his court. So yeah. this is for Huel, the, the king himself, because he's got the mead maker and the butler who who does the things. Okay. And the mead maker. Uh, had a pretty good gig. He got free lands, got a horse, got clothing and lodging, all for making the mead. Nice. Yeah, I thought so too. Now moving on to Ireland. Wait, that's not my Irish voice. No. 
Oh, no. <laughs> it was not. I don't know what that was. I don't either. Moving on to Ireland. <laughs> uh, so the Brain Laws in Ireland go uh, match up with, with Huell's Laws in Wales. I mean, they're very different with some different things, but they also talk about honey and bees quite a bit. So I know it has nothing to do with mead, but one of my favorite little bits is that they go into the size of vessels for measuring honey, and they range from the milk cow, which is the amount an ordinary person can lift to their knees, to two heifers, which you can lift up to your waist and shoulders, and then the dart, which is the amount one can lift over one's head. <laughs> Maybe one of the better reasons to start exercising and lifting weights, because if you can lift something over your head more than the other person, you get more honey. And there, then you can make more mead. There you go. And perfect. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and then uh, other measures of honey have to do with uh, smaller amounts. So uh, 12 hen eggshells approximated a pint. <laughs> and 10, and, so okay. yeah, 10, 10 chicken eggshells. Or 12, 12. Sorry, I see the word hen and I saw 10. 12 okay. eggshells from chicken approximate a pint. Okay, so are these... Are, are are they intact eggshells? It, it doesn't ever say. I would assume oh, okay. that they they have to be at least halfsies. <laughs> That's what I was picturing for some reason, but, uh, but but I'm not sure. Maybe they cracked the eggs, and whatever twelve yolks would fill up oh, would would do hey, it. Well, that would make sense. Because yeah, I mean, if you if you use a relatively consistent size egg every time, your your pint will be consistent from dozen eggs to dozen eggs yeah or at least close enough um four of them was the standard measure of of honey and mead i guess a third of okay. a pint which for me yeah. is, is is not too bad <laughs> i'll have a fun story coming up for that pretty soon yeah and the coldy monks so the monks from the middle ages the monks and the priests and and everything uh, especially in britain and the british isles uh, were a drunken sloshy lot i mean they they got to drink a lot <laughs> <laughs> so uh so the coldy monks were allowed to drink uh, milk and honey at christmas and easter so it's just it's a drink of milk and honey uh, but the monks monks of saint alba at the time of saint patrick were allowed to drink mead to the depth of the thumb for dinner and if you're going to ask whose thumb that's a good question whose thumb oh, i don't know that's that's a good question <laughs> Uh, damn it <laughs> yes i mean is is it the butler's or i guess it's a monk so is it the the head monk's thumb is it everybody's thumb so the dude with the big thumb gets more mead than tiny thin over there i, I don't know huh. moving on to scotland yes the scots they tend to agree which you know for the scots is kind of rare that yeah. heather honey is better than clover honey and that lean heather is better than bell heather but the best heather comes at the time when heather comes out in the late April chill to the summer like May that kind of comes along at the very beginning part of the springtime year when the apples blossom and the hawthorn flowers. Huh. It's not just which heather it is, it's what time of year it is. Cool. I didn't even realize there were different kinds of heather. Before we get to the mead part, the Scots also have this wonderful drink that uses honey. Uh, so yes. it uses honey cream, scotch whiskey, and oats. Although the, the cream can be, you know, give or take. And it's called Athelbros. Hmm. And it is so good. <laughs> I, I can't find it anywhere, yeah. so I made some. I was going to say, you got a recipe? <laughs> I do. I do All have right. a recipe, and I, I will share it sometime, but not this episode. But yeah, I'll happily share it. Okay. 
It's, it's very easy. I mean, yeah. And, oh, it is so good. Whew. The, the fun thing about mead and the Celtic lands is uh, it plays a large part in the afterlife. Ah. Whatever your thoughts on afterlife are, you know, if you go to the Christian heaven or the Jewish, I guess, nowhere or, you know, wherever you're going. The Celts is kind of what I would prefer because whether you're going to Avalon or Tirnanog or, or any place else, they're said to have rivers of mead running through their bountiful realms. See, and, I knew there was a reason I was trying to get back into that. See, rivers of mead and rivers of honey. Apples, hazelnuts, beautiful things. So, little extra tiny tidbit for the Irish bit. Uh, the Hall of Terra, where the kings were crowned, the high king, the Ardrees were, were crowned. Another term for it is the Tecmid Cuerda. Cuerda? I, I am horrible at butchering Irish. <laughs> but Tecmid Cuerda, which is the mead circling house. Oh, cool. And uh, yeah, it's built between 400s and 700 CE, and it could see hundreds, and is known for its copious use of mead and, and, and drinking, not, not in the building, because I realized yeah. the way I said that. <laughs> uh, one of the styles of mead, braggot, which, which we've talked about, yeah. is, is that mixture of honey and of malts. Braggot takes its name from the old Celtic word brachis, meaning from brag, malt, and got honeycomb. So it's uh, ah, cool. etymologies come out of Wales and Cornwall. So braggot actually means malty honeycomb. Malty honeycomb. Damn it. What? <laughs> I got stupid honeycomb cereal commercial in my head. It's better than having the Sugar Crisp theme song. King uh, of Golden Crisp. Damn you. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, it's like, me like honeycomb. <laughs> I forgot about that little douche. Yeah, I had uh, two for years until you said that. Uh, <laughs> So you want to take a guess on when uh, sugar finally came over to Ireland? Sugar finally came over to Ireland in the 17th century. No. Damn. You're, you're off by 500 years. No. <laughs> it's the 12th century, brought really? over by the conquering Normans, those fuckers. <laughs> Up until then, honey was used as the sweetener. Yeah. And until the Normans came, and even then, only the, the snooty people actually got it. Most honey was still used for the making of mead, sometimes infused with hazelnuts, which I, I've done, uh, but usually just normal mead, just honey. Yeah, cool. So you want to hear a really cool folklorist thing that has to do with mead in Wales? Yes. And I have a feeling even if I didn't, you were going to tell us anyway. I, w I was trying to decide what I was going to do if you said no. <laughs> I was, I was probably going to go fine and move on. And then in another episode, somewhere along the lines, I was going to slip it in there and go. Ah. <laughs> Actually, I, what I expected you to say was, but I'm going to tell you anyway. <laughs> I could see that. <laughs> yeah, I could do. Uh, so in Wales, uh, during King Lud's reign, uh, his reign was tarnished by three great plagues, one of which was the fighting of a red and a white dragon, which indicate the Welsh and English respectively. So you got the yeah. red Welsh dragon and the white English dragon. Yeah, depending on what flag you see, if it's, it's white, it's obviously English, red's Welsh, but you sometimes still see uh, red for English because the Tudor dynasty is Welsh. Huh. Did not know that. Yeah, you know, I, I learned things. Nothing important and useful, <laughs> but things. Uh, so anyway, the shrieks of these beasts, the dragons fighting overhead, yeah. um, especially that of the red as it was attacked by the white, would make the land barren and would scare everybody who heard it. Uh, everybody, um, as the dragons would tire at the end of the day, they would turn into pigs and fall to the ground. Why this occurs, I'm not entirely sure. But, oh, go ahead. Where, where is, okay, with, 
is this is this English folklore or Welsh? Yes, both. Welsh. Okay. I, I'm, Welsh. I'm, I'm, yeah. Okay. Be, well, then that may that may be why they turn back into or turn into pigs and stop fighting at the end of the day. Could be. Yeah. The Colts do love their pork. Yeah, and they like things that turn into other things too. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Yes, they do. I want to take a guess on who gave King Led advice on how to uh, fix everything. I am never going to get this. A young Merlin. Okay. Yeah. Some of the tales of Merlin when he was young are really cool. I was, I was about to say Talesian, but or, or Taliesin, or I, and, and I've heard that name pronounced like 50 different ways. So, all right, yeah. so that's a bit of an exaggeration, but. <laughs> I'm not sure how to pronounce his name either. <laughs> I think I usually go with Taliesin. Yeah. Uh, no idea. Probably should have figured it out. <laughs> so a young Merlin tells King Lud, dig a pit where the pigs land. In that pit, put a cauldron of mead, and then that night, when the dragons turned into pig, they fell into the cauldron of mead, became so inebriated that they completely slept through being wrapped in satin and buried at Dennis Simris, and that's where they are to stay. Cool. Someone should go dig them up. Yes, let's do that. Yeah. No, that's that's too much work. I I meant somebody with a backhoe or something should go... Yeah, they should do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so King Artie doesn't feel left out. Uh, there's all sorts of references to meat in his tales. And he even talks about how when he's just kind of waiting uh, and, and waiting around for things, uh, he is happy to sit there while others entertain each other as long as he has a flagon of mead and some meat. Mm. I, I agree. That doesn't sound too bad. Yeah. And then kind of moving up a little bit further north. Uh, so we already talked about Heather in Scotland. Heather yep. Mead has been found as far back as 4,000 years. Wow. So Heather nice. Mead, Heather Ailes. So yeah, uh, I know there's, uh, there are theories that the Vikings brought over how to make Heather Ailes and Heather Meads to the Scots, but with the archaeological finds and finding bits of things with Heather Mead and in, in, in their burrows and their grave sites, then that, that kind of shoots that out of the water when it was 4,000 oh, yeah. years ago. Yeah. And, and the Scots did love their mead. They considered mead drinkers to be as strong as meat eaters. Huh. Yeah, uh, you know, evidently if you eat meat, you're stronger, which is kind of true. Yeah. I didn't realize there were vague vegans back then. <laughs> Turnip eaters? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, uh, okay. Well, I would assume the wealthy had more meat. <laughs> oh, okay. But, uh, yeah, that would make sense. Okay. Yeah, that's, yeah. Oh, and, and in Scotland, <laughs> so recognize that aged meat is better than aged meat. Oh, God. Aged mead is better than new. <laughs> and, and I can say for sure that that is completely true. Uh, my first batch of mead, I still had a few couple bottles left after even four years, and it got better. And so I'd have some every once in a while. It just got better and better with age. Nice. Oh, yeah. After four years, it was just, oh, it was beautiful. So, um, uh, I, I don't think I've ever, and I've, I've, yeah, obviously the mead that you've made and given me, I've never uh, waited that long. <laughs> so, would you like to know different types of mead? Yes. yes Very welcome. And, and you'll hear some of this, too, in the Germanic, Anglo-Saxon, English stuff. But there is braggot, of course. Mm-hmm. We've talked about, which is honey and grain. And, and that's actually the favorite mead I've made to date is the uh, Reaver's Mead, which I know you had one of. Yes. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, I love that one. It's a Scotch Ale Grains, and oh, yeah, so good. (laughs) (laughs) 
And there's, there's melomel, which is a fruited mead. Don't fruit the mead. No. It's, I think, didn't you, I think I've had, you've made that before, right? Because I think yes. I've had that. I yeah. made a, a black and blue mead. Okay, yeah. yeah. Blackberries and blueberries. It's, it's not my favorite. It's too wine-like. But yeah, eh, what are you going to do? Um, so Can anyway, Melomel. Anyway? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I did. Yeah. Sack meads. And, and what a sack mead is, it's a very strong, sweet mead because you use extra honey. And the extra honey makes it sweet. And because of the sugars, gives it a higher alcohol content. Ah. So mo- most of mine are in the 11 to 14% range. Ooh. Typically, I get 11.5 to 12.5 is kind of where I, I usually end up. Maybe that's why I feel so good after drinking one of your meats. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> However, because it matches up, and this is where that was going to go too, is I have made a what I call a session mead because yeah. it's – so a session ale, for anybody who doesn't know, is a, a ale or beer that you can drink quite a bit of during the day without getting tipsy because it's got low alcohol content. British consider it to be less than 4%. Americans, because you know we, we have to be all macho and stuff and just be argumentative. Try to try to insist and tell the British who invented this term that it, it's five percent. <laughs> and you know, during my more alcoholic phases, I could session a five percent. <laughs> but but in all honesty, if you're not an alcoholic, four percent or less is probably better to go if you're going to have a lot during the day. <laughs> uh, you know, we seem to have that problem with the Brits on a lot of things. Um, so anyway, so I, I most of my meads were really thick, and I thought, you know. Uh, if if I want to take after Odin and have some mead to be all poetic so I could write lyrics and stuff, I'm not sure I need to be sucking down pints of 14% mead. So I, I made myself a session mead, which ended up being six, six and a half percent. Okay. So yeah, just a kind of a normal mead, except I made it, I called it my Celtic mead of inspiration. Uh-huh. Um, the Celtic part comes because I used apples, which are huge in the, the Celtic myths, although they would be too with, with the Norse, with the Dunes apples. Yeah. Um, but I also put in a bit of hazelnut, which comes from the salmon of knowledge who ate the hazelnuts off the tree of knowledge. And then yeah. Finn Mahul ate the salmon or actually didn't eat the salmon. He burned his thumb on the thing the salmon was cooking on and sucked his thumb and was able to suck his thumb to get wisdom and knowledge oh. and, and future things. Yeah. Um, so, things? yeah, future things. I don't think I've said suck it philologist yet this episode. So there we have it. <laughs> so, so yeah, I made, I made a session mead that that's lower so I could have a, a glass or two of it and still be able to actually write decent music or, or write decent prose or whatever it is without becoming so inebriated that I think it's good. And the next day I look at it and go, Oh, fuck. what the crap? <laughs> So what, um, what is the proper, or I guess not proper, because, because the proper way to do it is just to drink it. But what, what is uh, currently like the common type of glass? And <laughs> because, because I know, I know you're talking about drinking like a whole pint. <laughs> So here again is the difference between a real mead drinker. <laughs> so so I, the, the listeners need to know this. Yes. Yes. I suppose they, they may want to know. <laughs> 
So I, I bottle my mead. Um, so a lot of places, I mean, we talked about having mead and vats like in the olden days, but that's, uh, you're not going to see that very often. But at a meadery, they serve it in uh, either wine glasses or little snifter type tasty things if you, if you get sort of a few to taste. Yeah. I, I was going to say that um, when, when bee nectar went on sale here, they, I, I, I did find a, a glass with their logo on it. And yeah, it's a, it's about the size of a snifter. It's, it's a smaller glass. Yeah. So, you know, it's, uh, uh, you, you can, of course, you know, that, that would probably be more appropriate because these are stronger than beer, yeah. you know, even, so bee nectar range from five to 7%, but that that's their, their lower end. I, I don't know if they have stronger ones. And I do know some of the Indianapolis meteries that they typically start down there, but they they get higher. They're more like a wine sometimes around 10%. So yeah, a lot of meads are, I mean, a mead is also called honey wine, yeah. even though it's, it's not wine, it's mead. Um, well, but it's I, called, I was, no, go ahead. <laughs> no, no, it's called honey wine. And it's about the strength of wine, unless you make the sack meads that I like. Well, is that, that's what I was briefly interrupting you with there. Um, I was going to ask what the, is there a honey wine or is it just another name for mead? It's just another name for mead. Okay. I mean, if, if they make it with honey and, you know, they can call it whatever they want, but if it's made with honey, it's, it's a mead. It's mead. Okay. Um, but to finish answering your question, yes, a wine glass or sniffer type thing is more appropriate. However, <laughs> I, so, so that's, that's when you go to their place and they pour it, you know, otherwise you'll probably get it in a bottle the size of a wine bottle. So of course yeah. you'll probably put it in a wine glass because it's a bit stronger Yeah, and you don't just chug. Well, most <laughs> people don't just chug mead. Um, I would like to point out that I finished my mead <laughs> and it was in a pint glass. <laughs> so I bottle mine and I put the, I, I try to mix it up. So some are 12 ounces and some are 22 ounces. So that way, you know, if I open a 12 ounce bottle, I'm going to finish it. If I open a 22 ounce, I can finish it or a wine stopper will fit in it. I can put it in the fridge and finish it. Yeah. I was going to say, cause outside of the ones that, well, the bee nectar and the ones that you've given me, um, I've had typically the one I, I buy if I, if I go out and buy one is Chaucer mead and it's it, it, it's about the size of a wine bottle um it also comes with spices and i don't i, I typically I, I don't because i guess you're supposed to warm it the, the, at least the chaucers you're, you're supposed to warm and it comes with spices to put in while it's warming oh like a mold mead i yeah and i i've never i, I think I think I've still got like two or three packets of the spices because I've never used them. I, I figure I'll use them all at once. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That'll be tasty. <laughs> yeah, I've, I, I don't care for yeah. wine. I refuse. I'm, I've made spiced meat. I've made the, the methylene. Yeah. But, but it's just, I drink it as it is. I don't add, like, I make it so the spices go in there during the, the fermentation process. It goes in the must, which. Okay is like the wort from beer. The must is yeah. the, the mead version. Okay. Um, so, so again, I will have anywhere from 12 to 22 ounces. Um, so I, I drink pints of mead. And this, this probably was going to come up during the Yule episode, but since we're kind of talking about it, uh, I did make a Yule mead, which ended up being almost 14%. And out of honoring my grandfather, from whom he, uh, Crown Royal was his favorite uh, whiskey, and we would all do shots of it at, at family get-togethers at holidays. 
at Halloween and Christmas and certain times of the year, I'll go out and I'll just go out and I'll try to remember family and, and ancestors and, and people who've passed away. Uh, but at Christmas, I will take my Yule mead, yeah. uh, pour a full imperial pint. So, you know, I'll take one of my 22 ounce bottles and I always leave room so they don't explode. So it's about 20 ounces. So full imperial pint and I'll add a shot of Crown Royal to it because of my grandpa's ancestry. I call it the Welsh car bomb. <laughs> and I will say that when I do this, I will not drink after because I don't want to die and I'm not sure I could drink anything after it anyway. Welsh car bomb. Oh, man. Which is funny because, you know, Crown Royal's Canadian. <laughs> that sounds pretty good, though. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's, it's good. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to backtrack a little bit, mostly because I have something wonderful to say that I think everybody should know. Okay. So the Melomel, and that's where we got sidetracked a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but that's perfect. That's actually much better than me just blathering on. Uh, the Melomel is a fruit mead, fruited, and I use berries in mine. And I noticed some people like to insist that berries are not fruits. What? Bullshit. What? Berries are the fleshy fruit made from a single flower containing one ovary. Okay, you already had it looked up. I was about to look it up. <laughs> oh, yeah, because I like to remind people when they're eating berries or having uh -huh. a berry sort of thing, that's an ovary. <laughs> hey, how's your ovary salad? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> can't understand. I was, I've never heard anybody say that it wasn't a fruit. No. I mean, I've had the discussion about tomatoes being a fruit, but I've never heard anybody say berries were. That's, yeah, I've had a few. That's messed up. It is. Uh, just to be very complete, so Melomel's a fruit mead, unless yes. it's a grape, then it's called piment, or apples, it's called sizer, or mulberries, which is a marat. Huh. So those three have specific names. And I think I've had a, a sizer, but I don't remember where. If I gave you one of my meads of inspiration, that, that might technically be called a sizer because I did put an apple in it. You you may have, I'm thinking. So, I'm thinking you may have done that. Yeah. So I so I did add the bit of hazelnut flavoring. It's a hazelnut flavoring. It was actual yeah. hazelnut, but um. So that that's technically a sizer. So that that's probably about enough for now, and we'll do a couple more meat episodes since it's it's in the name, and you know we'll we'll do some metal episodes also. <laughs> yeah. We were Got gonna it. do a mayhem episode where we all just shout in the mic going Rah! for thirty minutes, but. Uh, okay, well, wait. I was going to. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, for now, we'll sign off. I'm James. And I'm Jody. <laughs> Talk to you later. <laughs> the Macabre Manor is brought to you by the Twin Terrors. All rights reserved. Stay tuned for some fun outtakes. Yeah, just yeah, bonked me in the head with his tail. Haha, <laughs> good cat. <laughs> I'm rather Yeah. That's easy for you to say. I wish. <laughs> I was, was going to say I would rather hear. I can't even fucking say it. I would rather hear Bill Murray sing it. Star Wars. <laughs> Those. <laughs> Crazy Star Wars!
Actually, I was trying to do the Star Trek theme, but, but I, I can see why that would be confusing with my ability to sing. Yuletide. My, my parents, so I know this sounds like the Big Bang in Sheldon, but my parents actually did have me tested as a child. <laughs> oh, that explains so much. <laughs> well, no, Wait, I was, you, you told me to go ahead and ask. I know. Now I'm being a dick. <laughs> cool. I didn't even realize there were different kinds of Heather. I, I've keeping my mouth shut from so many things. <laughs> yeah, you might not want to go there. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> She'd probably laugh. Well, she probably would, but <laughs> I, I would just, just, as, just as a real quick tangent, I, I would like to point out for all the Brits who complain when us Yanks call it soccer and not football, that it was the Brits who came up with the term soccer.